Yeah, Have a really. girl. Put some bass in <laughs> your walk. Head to toe. Let your whole body talk. And what? <laughs> because we're talking about what? I have been drag. The beautiful art of drag. But I have been singing that <laughs> song to myself since we decided um, to do this. It's it's iconic. Just oh. That's all you can say. I've brought this to be with me while we record. This is my my RuPaul Charles um, Saint candle. Is that what you call? I'm not Catholic. I'm not either. <laughs> For those watching know. on video, look at it in all its gloriousness. It, it is says beautiful. on it, good luck and don't fuck it up. Iconic. Iconic. Did you see the um, Build-A-Bear? <laughs> the RuPaul Build-A-Bear? Yes. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone ever actually cares about this podcast and we like set up a p.o box for gifts that's a good gift send me a rupaul charles build a bear because i am poor yeah. right now cannot buy one yeah i think i wouldn't even fight you on that one that would be all yours <laughs> yes. that would be all yours i would i would want to see it and hug it but then i would respectfully give it back <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, let's get going because I think you you suggested this topic and you had some really good reasoning. Mm -hmm. So I why don't you just start us in, tell us why you were thinking about drag and why this is what we want to talk about this week. Okay. Um yeah, so if you've been paying attention to the news at all lately, drag has um definitely been front and center for I'd say probably the last three to six months um, as far as legislation goes. And we'll talk more about that in detail later down the line. But um, essentially, there are Republican leaders in some red states, Texas and Tennessee, um, who have signed uh, laws that are essentially banning drag performance. And the justification for it is to protect children um mm -hmm. and i thought you can see how that, i feel about that no. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that it would be cool to talk about it because you know growing up in the 90s and early aughts drag has been a part of our lives forever really and within the framing of how of this podcast it makes sense to to say okay well when we were kids we were the kids that were raised on drag a little bit as, as much as any other generation has been. How has that affected us? Where do we believe it should go, I guess, um, is, is sort of thesis of this conversation, if you will. Yeah, the hypothesis, the thesis, the whatever. I don't even know. I'm not a scientist, Janae. I got really <laughs> nerdy about this because I had to, I went back to, you know, constitutional law days and reading bills and shit. It was wild. <laughs> so I, I yes. have thoughts. Let's I am get it going. I'm so glad you did that work because I was more so looking at media and drag in the media and then also a couple of, you know, iconic historical moments and things like that. But I'm glad you read all the bills because I that stuff just goes right over my head. These ones wouldn't have but we'll oh, get great. there <laughs> okay I, I want to start with something I want to start with what was your first like when's the first thing that you saw of drag when you were a child do you have that memory I don't know if it's the absolute first thing that I saw but I I do distinctly remember seeing RuPaul um 
on MTV. VH1. I want to say it was, was it? No, this was like a MTV summer beach house thing. So this wasn't a show. This wasn't, this was pre-television show. Um, This was when Rue was doing a lot of hosting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the first time I distinctly remember thinking there's something different about that lady (laughs) 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 she was just so like statuesque and larger than life and you know the big RuPaul smile and the you know the pose and, and all of that the Jane Mansfield pose um and I remember asking my mom I was like who is that and my mom was just like that's RuPaul (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was like the extent of it. <laughs> um, but that's the first uh, thing that I connect to remembering what drag was. How about you? I have kind of like two. So I'm going to split it into media and personal experience because when I was really young, like really young, maybe five or something, my dad did this performance thing for fun. I was called like Red Sox or something. And I remember so distinctly, we went to this little performance that he did and he had on like lipstick and all this other stuff. And I thought that was drag. And I was like, dad's dressing like a girl. And um, I just remember that really sticking out in my childhood. But that's cool because that meant I came from a family that wasn't super sensitive about that. Like the fact that he was willing to do that, he would have been in, I don't know, his 30s, early 40s. And he was totally fine to get up there and lipstick and like a girly thing and do this little dance with these men from work. It was some weird, he worked for, he worked for the power company. It was some weird power company performance troupe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, I was going to say Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire would have been like the earliest memory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all love that movie, right? Yes. 100%. 100%. I think this we when we were doing kind of pre-production conversations yesterday i think that this is kind of a question that came up that we were like nope we have to save it for the podcast yeah. and that was what is drag what what do you count as drag and legally it's funny talking about the legal stuff later you know they're trying to define it define it but i think it's really difficult to define it because to your point, you you looked at your dad wearing lipstick and kind of performing, and that was drag to you. Um, that triggered a memory for me. My mom, one Halloween, I, I don't know how to say this politically correctly. So please, if this is offensive, it is not to be, it's not intended to be. Um, but she dressed up as what we called a quote unquote he, she, which was literally half of her was a woman and the other half was a man and of course this is the 90s so like I'm sure there's a much better more politically correct term but it was half man half woman and it's like is that is that drag was that kind of a drag thing and I've seen drag performers do that you know on RuPaul and or on Drag Race and what have you so like it's just such an interesting thing to play with gender in that way. And is it all drag? I... As RuPaul would say, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. <laughs> yeah. It's even yeah, I was, yeah. Born naked and the rest is drag. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to ask you, yeah. like, 
I'll have to send it to you later if you haven't seen it. But speaking of the what you called he, she, I don't know what the better term for that is because I, I I don't know. But what you were referring to, did you see Silky Nutmeg Ganache's performance of Barbie Girl where uh, she was? No. It's like amongst my top like three favorite performances of from the show of all time. I'm going to send it to you. It is fucking iconic. Yes, it's drag. I love yeah so I mean there you go I have an early childhood memory of my mom doing drag too <laughs> there you're, you go. you're gonna love this I can't wait to show it to you I wish we could do it right now but it's okay wait. yeah well we can link things too so so if the listeners want to look at it they can we grew up with a lot of drag in our movies and tv but it wasn't the kind of drag we're getting now right it was all very like the drag was always kind of the punchline in things mm-hmm. like Mrs. Doubtfire and um, some like it hot even, which was way before our time, but that's from 1959 mm-hmm. with Marilyn Monroe, but still like drag as a punchline in it. All of the stuff with um, the nutty professor that's from our childhood. Medea. Mm-hmm. I don't have a very strong connection to Medea movies if I'm being perfectly honest but I know that my family really like them and um think that they're hilarious but you know that's I think that's a thing that was very prevalent in the 90s uh and 2000s it was and it's a conversation that I think even to this day people are still having especially when when you're talking about blackness and, and masculinity you know, so many comedians, and this is not just Black men, so many comedians, period, male comedians, really cut their teeth, especially in that time, in performing in drag. Like you said, Robin Williams, iconically Mrs. Doubtfire. Eddie Murphy. You know, yes, Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence. Yeah, um, Shanae. And and we just went through a list and it's not even a full list. And the majority right. of the the noteworthy people that we're talking about are um black men, but Rodney Dangerfield uh dressed in drag, mm-hmm. you know, and again it was this punch, it's a punchline um for them, but for us it becomes for when I say them and us, I mean for for white masculinity it is something that you did and it's a performance and it's just a performance Mm -hmm. but when it's black male comedians it's like a commentary on both blackness and masculinity it's not just a performance I know we talked I I brought it up last time a lot and I apologize if you don't want to use this it's fine but um Kiki Palmer Mm. interviewed in her podcast uh she interviewed um Jaleel White who played Uh Steve Urkel in Family Family Matters yes and there's a character that he only did once that's really iconic um it's Myrtle 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 Urkel Yes. Um, And he talked about how, you know, at the time he was going through puberty and he was a performer and he got the script and he read the script and said, okay, this is what we're doing this week. Cool. And he put his whole mind and energy into this performance. And then at the end of it, um, he was ashamed of himself he was crying he mm. didn't want to go back to school because he thought he was going to get clowned because he's a 
prepubescent boy in a dress. And his father intervened at that moment and told the writers because they wanted to bring that character back. And his father was like, no, absolutely not. That's mm-hmm. one and done. We're not doing that. And it's wild because I remember that character so distinctly to know that it was a one-time performance. It's, it was crazy to hear that. But but again, his feelings about it when he was doing it had nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to be, people are going to question my sexuality because I'm doing this. It had everything to do with I'm performing, you know? Um, and so that I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah. We can link that one too. Yeah, that is really interesting. Just pause on Urkel because I just have to bring it up. Like, how confused were you when you were a child and and he came out as Stefan? I wasn't confused at all. Well, I was, I was confused. I was like, whoa, he's kind of hot. <laughs> Has he been hot they this whole time? About, they talk about that in the podcast too. Um, and he's like, I just took off the glasses, guys. <laughs> it's like, no, you no. need way more than just take off the glasses. <laughs> he lowered his voice. He changed his body posture and he was sexy. I was like, I have not been giving this he man was, any mm-hmm. credit. You're you're right. I think, I don't know if it was confusing as much as it was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Urkel. I met Stefan. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take us there, but I just had to. I mean, it begs the no, question it's is fine. like, it's a good... was Urkel drag? <laughs> According to RuPaul, yeah. According to RuPaul. And that, that is the Bible. The drag Bible. <laughs> the drag bishop. I was going to say, when it comes to drag, I'll believe anything that RuPaul says. But I want to put a pin in that, too, because mm-hmm. RuPaul has had some problematic moments as well. So, no, I won't go there. Correct. <laughs> but, Correct yeah. take. I think he's worked hard to correct a lot of it over the years, but he was slow to do so. And a lot of the criticisms, it specifically criticisms around trans individuals in drag and the way that he was treating them and not really allowing them to participate. He dug his heels in a little bit longer than he should have. And he mm-hmm. has come around, which great. Let's applaud that. Yay. Um, but it took a little longer than people were comfortable with. And, you know, and there's a the fact that in the the beginning of the show, there was a lot of things that were kind of anti-trans just built in. Like, I don't know if you watched all the early seasons, but they would do the thing they called, girl, you got a she-male. And you, you can't say that stuff anymore, you know? Um, there was other yeah, stuff too, but that's the top of mind. I mean, I think it's fair to say with with any person who's been in the public eye as long as RuPaul has, there are going to be, there's going to be an evolution of thought and understanding and in all aspects of it. I mean, I know one of the other podcasts that I listen to, they criticize, have, have been very vocal about criticizing RuPaul and how Ru has, has dealt with blackness or not dealt mm. with blackness and being as iconic as he is in, in the community, especially when you're talking about queer rights and then adding the anti-transness on top of it, when you refuse to acknowledge your blackness on top of that, even though you have all of this power um, within, you've got this platform and you've got the eyes and ears of so many people to not say anything about it specifically about you know a com- your community a community that you come from they've critiqued him and i i look i didn't name the podcast so the podcast is called the read and the hosts of the read are two queer individuals so 
I, being hetero, listen to the voices of those who are in the community that I'm learning about. And so I don't want to speak for them. If you go check out their podcast, it's like 10 years of podcasting that they've wow. been doing. But um, yeah, they've, they've, it's famously come up. Um, and so I know that that's a critique there as well. Well, listen, I, I don't want to shit on RuPaul because I actually adore RuPaul. Yeah. Even with all the flaws, I still adore him and I think, or her, whichever one, doesn't matter. We can use both here. Um, but I, I adore the, everything that RuPaul's done for the community and the light that she has shown onto drag and made it so mainstream and palatable for the entire world. I mean, really credit goes to her there. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah. you know, she's still a boomer. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she's a boomer and yeah there's there's so she's woke for a boomer he said yeah that's <laughs> for real <laughs> the woke yeah. boomer <laughs> hey hey and nobody's perfect and i feel like she's trying to correct all the stuff so yeah yeah and you got to start somewhere so you paid attention to media stuff what other things did you find the iconic moments well you know, it's really interesting because I was just looking at the whole history of drag and stuff. And I was looking, you know, obviously drag was born from Shakespeare. People don't think about that all the time. Like they mm -hmm. forget that. But back in the, what was that 13th century? I have no, I have no clue of time. Whenever Shakespeare was around hundreds of years ago, <laughs> <laughs> probably not 13th. That seems way too old. It was like uh, 1500, okay, 1600s, <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> no concept of time. I did research, but not research. Okay. Um, but no, it's anyway, fine. we're here, we're on this journey. Let's go. <laughs> you know, drag started because they wouldn't allow women to perform. Right. So they, they dressed men up and allegedly the term drag came from the men wearing the long dresses and they would drag along the floor and complain about it. Cause they weren't used to that. So mm, a little snippet that's for you. funny, but yeah, so drag started <laughs> as women's oppression. <laughs> Let that sink in. It's like, it's a cool thing now, but it actually started in a really dark place and it kept getting darker because later down the line, um, there was these things called wrenches and that was involved in minstrel shows. So like minstrel show drag, like there is a dark history that we're mm -hmm. not always addressing, but then it got really light eventually. Right. So around the time of cinema, and I would say some like it hot really put it on the radar, but again, drag was mm -hmm. a punchline. And just from there, like more and more movies have embraced drag, but it's almost always a punchline. And that bothers me. Now we're celebrating it more, but yeah, it was always the butt of the joke. And when you say that, what do you, what do you how are you defining that? Are you saying that the joke is that this person is dressing up as a woman or is the joke that women are dumb or is it both? <laughs> like, what is, think, what is the joke? Well, it could be either, honestly, but like, okay. Yeah. If you look back at some, like it hot, I keep going back there because I feel like that was one of the first really mainstream. Everybody knows it kind of references. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. you have these two amazing comedians dressing as women and it's all just like, the hilarity of them being believed as women, right? Because mm. they're like very mad. They don't look like women. They're not, they're very masculine men. And it's just what? a comedy of error. Are you sure they don't look like women? No, yeah. I mean, they look exactly like every woman I've seen. <laughs> yeah. And there's like the fact that it's supposed to be funny that people are mistaking them for actual women. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It's not a celebration of embracing gender differences. That's for sure. I guess. And I don't think we actually answered the question, but what is 
drag? What it what is it? What how how do we mo in in today's terms quantify and say what it is? And you know, before you answer that question, I want to of course address the elephant in the room that we are two cis people who do not perform drag. So I wish drag performers <laughs> you could you can um drag drag performers are are the ones that we should be listening to to define themselves but from our understanding of, of it as two people who appreciate the art form what do, what a, what is it i would have said years ago before things got more woke i would have said drag was defined by dressing across genders but now we know that gender is a spectrum and you can't always dress across a spectrum, you know, and we have mm -hmm. people like uh, Victoria Scone, who was on Drag Race, who is a female, a cis female who does drag as a female. So she's not dressing across <laughs> genders, but what she's doing is giving an exaggerated presentation of femininity. So I would now say, based off of knowing people like her and other performers like her, um, that drag is an expression of gender in an exaggerated manner. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And I would agree. I think, yeah, no notes. I agree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no notes. We're done. Okay, bye. No, no, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> so in light of that, I mean, I think when we talk about the humor in in drag and, and what makes drag funny is where is the line of it punching down versus just being a joke, right? So when we're talking about the example you gave, why is Tu Wong Fu funny and good, but other performances like Some Like It Hot are not? Okay, no, let me be clear. I actually think Some Like It Hot is funny. <laughs> I, okay. I But it's like okay. got outdated. It's got outdated views on gender, obviously. So, but Got you have it. to, you, okay. but if you can watch something through the lens of understanding where it came from, you can, I wouldn't say forgive that stuff, but kind of overlook it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to unpack that a little bit just because I wanted to make sure that I was understanding what we're, guess, what we're critiquing there. When I think about something like the nutty professor, for example, I'm like, was that funny because the words that Eddie Murphy was saying was funny or was that funny because Eddie Murphy was all of the characters? And it's like, okay, is this is this a true drag performance? Or is this, where where does the line blur? I feel like it can be blurred. When Martin Lawrence is playing Shanene, but he's playing, he's creating this person that looks like Martin Lawrence dressed as a woman. You know what I'm saying? Whereas when... Trixie Mattel comes on stage and is doing her thing. Trixie Mattel is Trixie Mattel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm articulating this very well. I'm sorry. I, 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 wanna, I feel like, like I get where you're going, but I don't know how to put it into different words. But I think like what you're describing is someone using drag as a caricature versus someone using drag as a self-expression. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Did that help? I used so many words <laughs> and you just got right there. Yes. No, it did. It did, it did help. And I think that's exactly the point. It's like, is, is that a right or wrong thing? It, that's a genuine question. 
are they two sides of the same coin? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's tough. And I also feel like maybe we can't answer that since we're not drag performers and like people who are drag performers might have more stake in saying what they think is valid or not. I think there's been an argument, um, especially in things like RuPaul's Drag Race, for all expressions of drag are valid. Um, And then, you Mm -hmm. know, and but that wasn't true on that show. That's why I mean, maybe that's not why, but that's part of why we have shows like Dragula where they're they go a totally different route in expression i know you love that show Mm -hmm. for anybody listening who doesn't know about dragula it's basically an alternative rupaul's drag race where it's very metal (laughs) like the some of the challenges are literally how many needles can i put into this person's skin before they quit it's like hard drag (laughs) i feel like we're telling people way too much about my personality that i don't watch (laughs) rupaul's drag but you like Dragula. But I love Dragula. <laughs> uh, the Boulet yeah, no, brothers. I think I, yes. Ugh, I, I love, love them. them. Um, <laughs> they're not brothers. They're not. We're, are they dating? Oh, Were I they don't dating? know. I don't know that much about their personal lives and that's probably for the best. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, what was, I'm sorry. I totally ADHD there. What was the point you were making? <laughs> Uh, oh, I was saying that we couldn't really comment, I think, on what is a, a valid expression of drag and that there's alternative expressions being born all the time, which is how something like oh, Dragula yes. survives. Yeah. Because that is not, yeah, that is, Dragula does not represent what I thought drag was for a really long time, but it is drag. The Dragula performance is, it's ugly, it's dirty, it's, you know, celebrating the gore and filth and mm-hmm. just the the ugliness of of the world as opposed to pretty drag which is you know the the ultra feminine and, and pageants i think that pageantry yes mm-hmm. perfect word i i think you're right i think that they're I we keep I in my brain I keep going back to to that RuPaul quote if like everything else is drag then everything else is definitely valid um but when you I wish we had a drag queen on I feel like if any of our if any of our listeners want to revisit this conversation in the future we I and you obviously do drag please let us know because I want I think this is such a cool thing to kind of sit with and unpack and as we get go on in this discussion and start talking about the bullshit laws that are on the books right now I think it's important for people to really start thinking about this because what where do we stop where where do we draw the line with like oh you you were born a man and you're wearing a dress and that's not okay and it's like okay well I was born a you know lower middle class kid in Rochester New York what if I want to play you know the queen of some fictional land and some more like are we not gonna is that not okay it's just it's all art yeah and it's really stupid to try and ban it um I'm getting ahead of myself 
Yeah, but I mean, it brings up, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're just going to talk how we talk. So if this is where we're at, this is where we're at. Um, But it does bring up a really interesting point for me, just thinking about all these bills and, you know, what is drag and like what part of this is offending people. And if you look at just the history that we've been talking about in the media, you've got all these movies and some of them did offend people. I didn't even go into the John Waters films with um, Divine. Are you familiar? Like Pink Flamingos, where she eats an actual (laughs) dog turd. She was in Hairspray. Divine is an icon. Divine is probably like the inspiration for Dragula style drag. Yeah, she, I would say if RuPaul is pageantry, Divine is Dragula. Correct. Correct take. So there was some (laughs) media like that that was really intentionally offensive. They were trying to attend or offend people. But you have all this other stuff we've been talking about, like your Mrs. Doubtfires, your Nutty Professors, your Medeas, um, Kinky Boots, Tootsie, or Tootsie, however you say that. Tootsie is cuter, but I think it's Tootsie. Um, Tootsie, I think. Yeah. And the thing is, all that has been just fully pretty much embraced by general culture without any hesitation. And the difference is, it's not gay. It's only when drag is mm. openly gay that people start having a problem with it queer i guess is the better term yeah. we're saying queer these days sorry i'm trying to be woke but i'm not perfect <laughs> there is a I literal okay there's this- a literal drag race happening outside my door right now so if you keep seeing me look it's because i'm hearing <laughs> i don't know if they hear me talking about RuPaul, hear it at all but it's like kind of scary i'm like are they about to run into my house that's Did terrifying dude adhd again uh <laughs> it's our brand embrace what is it happening? I was talking about um, how drag only seems to be offensive when it's oh, gay. Oh, yes, yes. I completely agree. And in reading these bills, since we're here, it's very apparent that what the bill writers are trying to do is thinly veil this shit and say, like, we we have to protect the children from, from, from these sexually explicit performances it's like, have you ever been to a drag show? Like, I mean, you're going to see more tits and ass at a strip club. Like, you will. <laughs> Clearly, you you just will. But also, they're so vaguely written that it's 100% clear that they are trying to encroach on the rights of trans folks. It's not about your Sunday drag performers or even, and I say Sunday, I mean like Sunday brunch drag performers or even, you know, the drag queens who do go to public libraries and read to kids and all of that stuff. That's what they're saying is like, oh, we have to protect the kids from that. But those things are very specific. You're not there you're not seeing anything sexually explicit at a library or at a Sunday brunch at a restaurant. That's not a thing that's going to happen. And even if you're going to a gay club and you're there for drag performance, you're not seeing anything sexually explicit. You may be hearing swear words. You may be seeing, you know, like a little booby shake or whatever. Like <laughs> they're a not dramatic- even real. They're not real. Nothing is real that you're seeing. Um, but but all of that to say, your children are not going to be at a fucking nightclub unless you are a goddamn degenerate yourself. Yeah. Why is your child at the fucking gay club? Well, Senator. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so weird the the fight on this. I'm like, okay, I was under the impression that Republicans who are 
the the reason for these bills. Let's just be real here. And I'm not trying to be div- divisive or whatever. But that's just what it is. This is not Democrats that want this. Mm-hmm. This is a Republican issue. And I thought that Republicans were very concerned about government control and not wanting it and not being wanting to be told like what to do with their children and not wanting to be told what to do with their money and all that stuff. I thought that was about maintaining your own rights. I thought that was their whole core mm-hmm. principle. So why are they fucking worried if other people want to do something? Like you can still not take your kid. This you're actually trying to get the government to control other people's parenting style. I didn't think that's what you stood for. I'm confused. I think it's it's a real um morality dog whistle. They don't believe that trans people are real or they don't believe that trans people are valid in in who they are. Um and they think that there's this huge agenda to convert everyone to to convert everyone to transness or queerness or what have you and it starts by indoctrinating the children and and, you know there have been the book bans in in Florida where you know specific children's books that talk about a very real (laughs) a very real couple of penguins who were gay, who I raised gay a little penguin baby. <laughs> we're so not cute. making it up. Nobody made the penguins be gay. Nobody said Well, I'm hey, offended. Let's... <laughs> we can't have a children's book that teaches tolerance because it's teaching, it's going to indoctrinate children to, to gayness or queer queerness instead of saying like oh maybe if I teach my child tolerance and acceptance and curiosity as opposed to fear and hatred maybe the world will be slightly better and it won't matter to me or my kid when they grow up if somebody wants to go and shove dollar bills down a drag queen's thong like I don't care <laughs> like why does this matter it's so sh- oh it makes me so angry the irony of it all is like this drag stuff with the kids it's not sexual at all as you know but do you know what is sexual anything that becomes <laughs> taboo so the moment that you start taking away and saying you can't have this this is bad don't look at it don't do this don't do that then it actually does become sexual and that is where kinks come from so all right, if that's what you want, guys. <laughs> I feel like you're actually feeding the monster you don't want. And I, I just think like when you can't have something, you want it more. So I just had a vision like flash forward to like 20, 30 years from now. And all these kids are gonna be like, oh baby, you know what I want? <laughs> Drag queens to read me a story. That is what gets me going. I need you to dress up. <laughs> I can't even finish it. It's absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. So like I said, I read these bills. One article that I found actually was published by the Business Insider and it was shady as fuck because it called out Nate Schatzlein, uh, who wrote the Texas House bill. um, And it called out... Bill Lee, who championed, he's governor of Tennessee, championed and signed into law the Tennessee drag ban. And the reason why it's shady is because in the articles, 
they went back in their history and found instances where both Nate and Bill were were in drag. Were were wearing dresses, and Bill he was uh, Bill's uh, was he was in a dress um, at I guess a pep rally. He was dressed as a cheerleader in his nineteen seventy seven yearbook because it was a joke, right? It's only a problem if um, the person is gay. One hundred percent. And then Nate, I think it was like some sort of field day event or something like that. But he was running around in a dress, and I was just thinking, you know, to to your point to this point did you did your high school do days like that where it was like mm-hmm. um yeah where the boys would dress up as the girl cheerleaders and all. yeah yeah they did yeah yeah and my school didn't really we didn't really do that but we had spirit weeks and so there would be like I don't remember if it was like a gender swap day or what but it was I mean during spirit week inevitably there would be some boys in dresses for some reason but like the the way that these these bills are written are so vague that literally doing that you know spirit week cross-dressing moment you could theoretically be arrested and get a misdemeanor for it in both of these bills because aren't they centered around where the drag is being done, like within a vicinity of a school and other public spaces? No. no? Well, I have something up. It says the right. bill that passed in Tennessee last week restricts adult cabaret performances in public That's or in it. the presence of children and bans them from occurring within 1,000 feet of schools, public parks, or places of worship. So that that secondary provision is written there obviously it is in the law but that is not the part that is the problem the problem is the cabaret performances that is so vague and that's actually why the bill getting ahead of myself here but that that bill has been temporarily uh, paused Mm -hmm. so it was supposed to go into effect on april 1st but it is not in effect um because a theater troupe called the or friends of george's which is a memphis-based lgbtq plus theater group filed suit against the bill because essentially it was saying that their theater would now be classified as a cabaret um, performance situation. So the U S district judge, Thomas Parker. And the reason why I want to say these people's names is because you keep seeing like federal judge Mm. judge Thomas Parker was appointed by president Trump. So these are his words and he is somebody who was, you know, pushed forward by the Republican base. He says in his ruling, at this point, the court finds that the statute is likely both vague and overly broad. And that was reported by Fox News. So Mm. it's not just liberal libtards, whatever you want to call us, saying that this is not okay. It's literally a Republican judge (laughs) who's a federal judge saying, Hey, um, about that, no, <laughs> like swinging a miss. So it's it's interesting to see to see that it's wild. It's wildly vague. the The one in Texas is even more vague. And the reason why I kept asking about the definition of drag is because the one in Texas tries to define drag. Would you like to hear what they say? <laughs> yes, badly. 
What do they think it is? They say in this bill, and it's Texas House Bill 1266, if you're interested in reading it, because it's so great. Mm. Um, <laughs> drag performance is defined as a performance in which a performer exhibits a gender identity that is different than the performer's gender assigned at birth using clothing, makeup, or other physical markers and sings, lip syncs, dances, or otherwise performs before an audience for entertainment. Okay, so my question then is that, like, let's say there is a trans man, comedian, and now they go and do a stand-up comedy show that has nothing to do with that. Is that considered drag to them? That is the question. Yeah. Because that's confusing. Like, now you're just saying this person can't can't go do a performance that technically would be illegal for this person to do this stand-up routine or I mean, a I, show. I don't think... So just a trans person it's, can't. It's, yeah. Because trans people don't exist in this in this fictional world. It's just a bunch of people who are performing gender to trick you and just to ensnare your steal your children and make them all clear. That's it when I read when I was reading these things, especially the Tennessee bill, you can hear you can almost hear the I don't know what it is, but you know it when you see it kind of rhetoric that built this around it. Like they don't say that explicitly, but it's just so broad. It's such a a non-specific thing and for a non-specific reason. Perfect example, in one of the articles that I read, Bill Lee was asked about his his uh yearbook photo where in which he was dressed as a cheerleader and he said, "Well, that's different." That's Ugh. it's not the same thing. And like you said, because it's not gay, but it's the only difference beyond <laughs> beyond that. It's like, well, what makes it different on the surface when you take your bill and you say we're banning this? How the fuck am I supposed to see you, sir, dressed as a cheerleader and be like, mm, that's not the same thing? No, no, nah. no, because it's black and white. It's on paper. Like you what are you what are you talking about? Fucking <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's it's really hurting my brain. And then, you know, not to mention, they're not only saying all this stuff, they're slipping in other legislation uh, about transgender minors receiving um, mm -hmm. health care for mm -hmm. their transitions and things and the puberty blockers. Yep. They're trying to stop all that from happening. And it's just, it's obviously much more a trans issue than anything else. It's, you're right. Trixie Mattel, um, we we brought her up earlier, um, drag queen extraordinaire. Love. I think that, <laughs> I think if RuPaul is the queen, Trixie's like the, she's like the, she's a princess. She's I was a drag say. princess. I'll give her that. Yeah. Trixie <laughs> and just a side note, Trixie and Katya are like my two favorite drag queens. I'm obsessed with them. I love them. So great. I love, I love them. Mm, um, their show mm, is my favorite. <laughs> I, that is my jam. The, the, mm. the nails. <laughs> um, they also have a show uh, on YouTube, but it's in affiliation with Netflix where oh, yeah. they watch Netflix. It's called Trixie Mattel Like to Watch, I believe. And it's just so funny. I've watched so many shows after watching them watch it and be like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll watch that because mm. they're just hilarious. It's so funny. And then you're watching it, you're like, this is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, <laughs> Trixie released a video, a YouTube video on her YouTube channel last week where she was talking about these bills. And she made the very strong point, very loud and very 
very she did not stutter you heard her um and it was that these bills it's very apparent to her and to those within the community that these bills are not truly about drag performers these are about gender expression and that affects trans people more you know there are there are going to be very real financial implications to drag performers and to these uh establishments that that house drag performances if they're banned but the real dangerous and insidious part is how this how these things will affect trans people and i think it's really worth going and look looking at her youtube video another thing we'll link for you about this because you like we said we're not we're not drag performers but you can hear from one in the community and and not just us two crazy people (laughs) yeah or maybe i'm the crazy one i don't know (laughs) no you're not you're not the crazy one i don't know if when you were doing your research too did you come across those stories about the false claims that had come out like there was one, um, there was some people in, I think, Minnesota. Yeah, somebody in Minnesota claimed that a drag queen flashed a child at the library doing one of these things. And then what? they were like arrested. And then it turned out, of course, that didn't happen because that was bullshit. <laughs> um, there was another That's... one too. Yeah. No. There's been a lot of just propaganda going on around this. I just find it all really interesting. And this isn't the first time in history that there have been anti-gay laws and anti-trans laws and all that stuff. So I I don't, it's so weird though, because I feel like we came so far and now we're just going way back. You know, drag started, the drag scene that we know from like the RuPaul's Drag Race really came up as a counterculture underground movement because they were forced Mm -hmm. underground. You had your Paris is burning and the shows and the pageantry, but that was all kept quiet and there could be raids. And there was, um, Mm -hmm. oh, what's it called? It was in 1969, the Stonewall Riots. You heard about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they raided a club and all these people, it was like hundreds of people were hurt and I don't know. It's just, it's crazy that this is still going on now. And it's like, we made so many steps to come away from that. 100%. And I think, you know, the thing that's interesting when you talk about, um, the Stonewall riots is that there wasn't as big of a delineation between drag performance and trans people. I don't even know if trans in the way that we define it now would have even been part of the lexicon then. Marsha P. Johnson was considered, if not the first person to throw something at the stone wall but one of the the first people and she was definitely involved in the riot and she was a trans person who did drag performances as well and she is you know considered a lgbtq plus hero like she's Mm -hmm. um like a rosa parks of that movement Mm -hmm. right and and it wasn't just about performance. It was truly about expression and also just queer rights in general, right? Which is what we're talking about because these bands are not about performance. They are about shoving trans people, like you said, just eliminating the trans experience and and belittling it to the point where it doesn't exist anymore. And so, you know, I think it's, it's so interesting when you think about the connection between drag, performance, pageantry, all of those 
fun, bright, bubbly things that we love and we talk about. And then the darkness of just trying to live your truth and be who you are. And you're not fucking with anybody's children. You're just trying to be yourself and get a fucking job and pay your your bills and take care of yourself. You know, like, I think it's really gross that those parallels keep being drawn and keep being, it's just a cycle and it just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And it's just like, get a fucking hobby Republicans, <laughs> like find something to do <laughs> something else. Leave these people alone. Yeah. Have they tried crochet? I hear that keeps your mind quite busy. Yeah, I, I knit sometimes, so it's lovely. But it's interesting because I, I feel like the Obama administration did a lot for, you know, queer rights and that mm-hmm. we, got, we got queer marriage allowed, same-sex marriage, all that stuff. Um, And then I realized, yes, we have a, Repu- uh, not a Republican, we have a Democrat president now, but we're dealing with the aftermath of Trump because all of the people who are in charge of making decisions and all the Supreme Court justices and all those people are Trump's people. We move the needle forward in a lot of ways in the Obama years, but, you know, trans people, specifically trans women of color, are still demographically the number one murdered demographic in mm-hmm. the country. Black trans We're women not, are the highest. Are the highest, yes. Black trans it's women. Like, like, shit like this is frustrating for on so many fucking levels, but particularly because... If the Republicans are good at one thing, it is throwing something up over here to get everybody's attention and get the majority's eyes on it so that they can do some shady shit over there, right? Like, and so while we're talking about this and we're not, and I think this is why, another reason why I really wanted to do, and I, of course, we're not the most educated on this. We know what we've researched and we know how we feel about it. And I think we both do a good job of listening to voices that, are a part of the things that we care about, right? Like I'm constantly ingesting queer content and listening to queer creators because that's not my experience. And I don't want to be ignorant to that. And I want Mm -hmm. to be empathetic and do my part in helping to move this stuff along. But all of that to say, if you just looked at this issue on the surface and said, what? We can't have our drag brunches anymore? Like that becomes so much more insidious because it's like, it's not just a fucking about that. Like, it's not just about that. We have to acknowledge that. And we have to get in the trenches and fight because we have the privilege to do so. And we got to protect our trans brothers and sisters. Like, it's, we just got to. Because trans rights are human rights, bitch. 100%. I will fight to the death uh, for you, trans people. I will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's not... It's not a choice. It's not a choice. I do want to like wrap this up on a positive note because I feel like we've gotten really deep in the negative part of it. And I I would just like to wrap it up with like, what do you love about drag? I'd like for us both to say what we love about drag and um, gender expression. Yeah, I feel like I'm aesthetically a minimalist person, but Mm -hmm. I love ostentatious art, right? Like I don't want it in my house but I want to experience and like I want an experience and when I say that I mean like you're never gonna get me having like a fucking Warhol painting or wanting one in (laughs) my home but 
I if you get, were like, hey, let's go to a Warhol exhibit, I'd be like, fuck yes, let's do that. Um, and that's just like intrinsically who I am. And when I have gone to drag performances, you know, even uh, Dragula, like I just I think it's something that overwhelms the the senses in a way that is just so delicious and also like (laughs) wicked in a way and I love the perspective of painting your face and putting on a big ass wig and some heels and just being like I'm gonna be as body and audacious as I possibly can be and you're just gonna fucking deal with it I love that it's so delicious I love it yeah I do too definitely And I'll say, you know, it's kind of along the same lines of what I want to say that I love about it. But there's just something about drag and the way that they are just like belligerently themselves. And I mean, that is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Just like embracing the mess and like turning it into this beautiful art form and the community of it. If you go to a drag show, it's like nothing else. It is pure love. (laughs) You watching, watching them be the purest form of themselves and basically flipping off the world being like, you don't like this. I don't care. And I love that. I love when people are just belligerently themselves and just pure and true to who they are. And I think it is one of the most beautiful expressions of that. And it is, I don't know. It just gives me such joy. And not to mention also these drag queens are so fucking funny. <laughs> and so just funny. so full of light. So funny. And if you watch Drag Race, then you know also they're full of heart because every single episode when they're putting their makeup on is when they talk to each other heart to heart about their past traumas. And there's just something so relatable about this this underdog story that they all have. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're wrapping this up. I did want to plug one more thing. Um, and if you want to experience drag and also um, help support the fight against these bands. Um, There is a fundraiser. It's called Drag Isn't Dangerous, a a digital fundraiser. Well, let me just read you the description. (laughs) (laughs) Drag isn't dangerous. The biggest names in drag are coming together for one night to entertain you while fighting back against red state tyranny and and oppression. We will be raising money for charitable LGBTQ causes, supporting out-of-work drag artists and transgender people through a mix of live and pre-taped performances and celebrity cameos, as well as a live switchboard of drag queens taking your donations over the phone so you can call them and give them money, which they need. (laughs) Beautiful. And feel free to make Um, donations in our names since we are not working. (laughs) Yes, we are not working. Um, and but we do want to support this. Uh yes. Trixie is the one who uh posted the original link, and of course we'll post the link for tickets as well. Um, I took a look, it's about $25 for a ticket for this. Um, and then you get 48 hours access to watch it. So if you're Amazing. not able to watch it live on May 7th, you can check it out. This is not sponsored, by the way. This no. is just something that we wanted to to push um no no one's paying us to do anything so no and i think that that's a fucking crime can i just say (laughs) employers of the universe (laughs) i'm I'm wearing a bucky's shirt so if they want to sponsor me i'll take it i'm wearing a golden old navy shirt i don't want to be sponsored by old navy though (laughs) fair enough no shade to them. <laughs> um, well, I know there's like a I million guess... more things we could say about this and this conversation could go on for hours, but we got to keep it 
we got to keep it short and sweet and neat, but I'm sure we'll talk about it again if any of this legislature passes or moves forward in any way. I mean, why wouldn't we? Well, the Tennessee one has passed technically, but if it comes back into fruition and then the Texas one and then probably the Florida one and we'll follow and then South Carolina and all. Yeah, we'll we'll keep keep an eye on it. Uh, this has been Postmodern Millennial. Um, I am Janae and you can find me on all the socials. You already know. And I'm Alan. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.